0: Your host, Beth
1: Ann. And I welcome you today to CSE Talk Radio. It is my honor, my privilege, and my pleasure to be here with you today. It's been quite a morning, but I think I say that about every morning. The old computer is just going to die on me. I just know it is. It didn't want to work this morning. I almost, it, it at least allowed me to type. Oh, I didn't get started until probably 9.30 to get on my monologue. I was handwriting it up until then. So uh anybody got any knowledge on these computers or or has a little money to throw our way we'd like to have a new computer. It's uh scary. It's going to go and I know it is. But uh do you know what? I know how to write too. So I can type or I can write right now for President Donald Trump. His family, his associates, his employees, all those who are connected with him, who are in danger, who are being harassed. And, Father, we ask you to bind our enemies. Chain them. Make their acts of tyranny against us. May their acts of sin against the children of this nation fail. And may their lies all be exposed for what they truly are. Reveal the truths to us, and may we act in righteousness, and in a righteous manner, and may your justice be done. Forgive us, Heavenly Father. It is the sins of your children, of each one of us, that have brought us to such a darkness to our land. May we now repent as Nineveh did and turn our hearts to you. Bring America home, Father. Not for us, but for your glory. Your word tells us in Ephesians, Satan trembles when he he sees even the weakest saint upon his knees. Oh, may we be the saints That caused Satan to tremble. It is for such a time as this, in Jesus' name, that I pray. Amen. I have um, been promising you for the last couple of days. I have something else we're really going to get to talk about today. However, this is something that I stumbled on. And I have saved it. As you know, I'm writing, a, I'm writing, I've got three books going right now. <laughs> you know, I really ought to concentrate on one and get it done. This one was put aside for my book that I'm, I'm titling it. I have a pink hat too. And I did started this book because of, um, the ranting and the raving of what they call themselves the nasty women. And I'm dedicating it to the women of this country and around the world, to let you know you have value. You are not weak just because you are female, and you don't have to be nasty, to be strong. So here are three American women who were heroes during the revolution time during the time of our revolution: Tarrant, Wright, and Batherick. It says. The cause for independence by the British colonists of the late 18th century was not limited to the combined efforts of militia units, the committees of safety, the night riding couriers, or even the somewhat elaborate alarms set up throughout the Massachusetts countryside. New England women played a seemingly, well, you might think they were minor, yet it was actually significant role. By demonstrating the will to resist resist tyrants. In some ways, they were more clear than their male counterparts. Contemporary feminists would do well to study the heroic activities of these individuals who participated in the battles of Lexington and Concord. Now, I would say to you out there, and this is one reason I'm bringing it, somebody earlier in the week or last week, they talked about the suburban women. You know, I I don't really live in the suburbs anymore, but I grew up in the suburbs. But today we talk about soccer moms and their soccer vans taking their children to and from activities and events from the youngest to the oldest. You are the hand that rocks the cradle. And so many of you, it is said, we are told by our medias that you hated Donald Trump because of his vulgarity. And I don't blame you a bit for that. But what is he doing for your children? And what is Joe Biden doing for your children or Congress? So I want you to think about these heroism, these heroines. David uh, Fisher explains in his Paul Revere's Ride that Sarah Tarrant screamed at the regulars during the earlier Salem alarm. Go home and tell your master he sent you on a fool's errand and has broken the peace of our Sabbath. Do you think we are born in the woods to be frightened by owls? Don't you just love that line? A frustrated regular raised his firelock and took aim at her head, and she replied defiantly, fire if you have the courage, but I doubt it. How many of us would stand up to one of those today? You know, we just got word they're going to arm the IRS. And they're teaching them, you have to, in order to be on these new IRS people, be one of them, be employed. You have to be willing to shoot to kill. This is IRS. What happened to the kinder, gentler IRS? What woman today would mimic Miss Tarrant? I'd say take your children back, my friends. So women, some of the women, even formed their own militia. And Fisher tells us they formed. When the men of Peppermill marched away, the women came together and held their own town meeting. They organized themselves into a military company and elected as their captain, Prudence Cummings Wright. She appointed Mrs. Job. Uh, job, or I guess it's Job, Shattuck as her lieutenant and organized the women into company called Mrs. David Wright's Guard. And they dressed themselves in their husband's clothing, armed themselves with guns and pitchforks, and began to patrol the roads into the town. They were guarding their own town because the men were out at battle. Captain Prudence Wright's militia unit was not simply marching around for show, Fisher got on the and to describe an intriguing account that occurred on the evening of the nineteenth. These women of Peppermill kept patrolling even after dark. They were guarding a bridge that night when Ryder suddenly approached. The women stopped him at gunpoint and forced him to dismount. He proved to be a Tory named Captain Leonard Writing. If you if you read <laughs> the Crisis, if you read any of Thomas Page, you know what they think of the Tories back then. They searched him, found incriminating papers, marched him under guard to Solomon Rogers Tavern in the town center, and kept him a prisoner that night. The next morning he was sent to Groton, and his papers were dispatched to the Committee of Safety for Study. The peppermill, the peppermill uh Pepperell, excuse me. Town meeting later reimbursed Mrs. Wright and the women for her company of their service, with a hint of condescension. The women voted that Leonard and guard so-called, be paid seven pounds seventeen shillings and six pence by order of the treasury. But on the night of April nineteenth, you know what that is, don't you? There was nothing of that attitude in Captain Leonard Whiting when Prudent, when Prue Wright stopped him at gunpoint and threatened to kill him if he did not obey. These women were fighting for their children. You know that? They were fighting for liberty and for independence and they were brave. Would be it would we be that today, women? You're listening to CSC Talk Radio. This is Beth Ann. We'll be right back. Returns. You're listening to CSC Talk Radio. I want to think fig- I want to finish up with these women. I promised you this earlier and I kind of feel like I'm cheating you because I'm rushing through it. But I have something so important I want to share with you today. And this is important. I'm 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 almost acting like it's not, but it is. I think we need to look back. We talked about that yesterday on my monologue. We've got to look back in order to push forward. This is The last of these three, it's certainly not the only women who were very significant in our revolution. But this is Mother Bathrick. Mother Bathrick, some grizzled old veterans of the French and Indian War, managed to successfully ambush a British ammunition wagon. Fisher's details the uh, reaction of the soldiers as well as what happened next. The surviving British soldiers took another look at these old women, I'm sorry, these old men, and fled for their lives. They ran down the road, threw their weapons into a pond, and started running again. They came upon an old woman named Mother Bathurick. So impoverished that she was digging a few weeds from a vacant field for something to eat the panic-stricken British troops surrendered to her and begged for her protection. She led them to the house of the militia Captain Ephraim Frost. Mother Bathrick may have been poor in material things, but she was rich in spirit. As she delivered her captives to Captain Frost, she told them, if you ever live to get back, You tell King George that an old woman took six of his Grenadiers prisoners. Afterwards, English critics of the Lord's North Ministry used this episode to teach a lesson in in political arithmetic. If one old Yankee woman can take six Grenadiers, is that how they say that? How many soldiers will it require to conquer America? So remember the stories. Look them up. These were just very short clips of them. Sarah Tarrant, Captain Prudence Wright. I kind of take, uh, I've got a great-granddaughter named Prudence. And Mother Bathrick. We today, women, could take a lesson from these, our founding mothers. So I think we've talked Enough. We've heard enough about the raid of Mar-a-Lago. We're going to keep hearing about it. But right here, right now, I want to change the topic just a little bit. We all know what's happening there. And we all know the FBI is corrupt. And they've been corrupt since day one. Go look it up, my friends. Herbert Hoover was a corrupt man. If the FBI and the DOJ were even halfway doing their job, America... The United States of America would not be number one in human trafficking, and that is a fact that all of us should absolutely be disgusted about, every American, unless, of course, you're involved in that horrific crime against humanity. And I'm including Congress in this. If you figure it all out yet, our government, any government, that declares war on anything, that problem gets bigger. Oh, Think about the war on drugs. What about the war on poverty? We've got more drugs and more poor now in the United States than we ever had. What about no child left behind in the education? America's public schools are no longer educating, they're just indoctrinating our children and abusing them. After all, they believe our children are community property. Anything the government tries to fix, they make worse. The fix is in all right But it's about procuring more tax dollars and more control, government control. Government today in America is about oppression, oppressing the people. We are not a free and independent people, and I don't say that to discourage you. I say that to get you up and going. Our system is corrupt from within. John Adams I'm going to talk about the two-party system just a little bit here. John Adams said, There is nothing which I dread so much as a division of the republic into two parties. Notice he didn't say of the democracy. This, in my humble apprehension, is to be dreaded as the greatest political evil under our Constitution. He said that in a letter to Jonathan Jackson back in 1780. George Washington, in his farewell address, said, However, political parties may now and then answer popular ends. They are likely, in the course of time and things, to become potent engines by which cunning, ambitious, and unprincipled men will be enabled to subvert the power of the people to usurp for themselves the reins of government, destroying afterwards the very engines which have lifted them to unjust dominion. That is a mouthful. I hope you understood it. If you ever want a copy of my monologues, you can sure ask, but you've got to have the date down, folks. you got to have the date down. But here is something that Marcus Tilius Cicero said. A nation can survive its fools, and even the ambitious, but it cannot survive treason from within. An enemy at the gates is less formidable, for he is uh, he is known and carries his banner openly. But the traitor moves amongst those within the gate freely. His sly whispers rustling through all the alleys, heard in the very halls of government itself. That was from way back in Rome. The full armor of God, we talked about that. Put on the full armor of God so that you can make your stand against the devil's schemes. Do we do that? For our struggles are not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this world's darkness and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Who would have ever thought, America? Who would have ever thought... That we would be sitting here talking about the public school supporting and even pushing sex changes of our children. That has got to come from the depths of hell itself. Ephesians six nineteen also says, Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. You have that power inside you, America. You know that, right? Thomas Jefferson, when once the republic is corrupted, and we can all agree that we are corrupted, my friends. It's not just the FBI. It is all of them. He says there is no possibility of remedying any of the growing evils but by removing the corruption and restoring its lost principles. Every other correction is either useless or a new evil. Today, we are so busy, and we are so, so distracted, and that is by design. We are like puppets, but we are not their marionettes. We can and should break those ties, break those strings, but not as a divided people, and absolutely not as a godless people. We need to put God first. Thomas Jefferson spoke of restoring the lost principles in that quote that we read just a few minutes ago. Do we as a people, as individuals, even know what those principles are? Those precious, precious lost principles. I mentioned earlier this week, I've been cleaning out the office. Boxes and boxes of papers. It's just ridiculous that I've put away and had stacked for future reference. And I found this. And we won't get through it all today because it's rather lengthy. But we'll get through much of it. And you can have it, too. You can go fetch it at a place called nccs.net. That's the National Center for Constitutional Studies. nccs.net. And it is called The Founders' Unchanging Principles of Liberty. Principles of Liberty. Number one principle the only reliable basis for sound government and just human relation is natural law. What is natural law? Natural law is God's law. There are, such, there are certain laws which govern the entire universe. And just as Thomas Jefferson said in the Declaration of Independence, there are laws which govern in the affairs of men, which are the laws of nature and of nature's God. Number one principle, the only reliable basis for sound government and just human relations is natural law. So number one is natural law. There's 28 of these, and we're not going to get through them all. But I hope to encourage you, not to discourage you. You're listening to CSC Talk Radio. This is Beth Ann. We'll be right back. talk radio this is beth ann so we're talking about those lost principles do we even know what they are so we're going to get through this and this came from the national center for constitutional studies it's still there it's all you got to do is put it in there in your search engine and you'll find it but go to nccs.net they have some fantastic books there in fact i've got some of their books here that they offer um they're a great group of people, and they have all the little constitutional booklets, too, constitution booklets. It's a different one than what I have. Mine is the rules for the, um, uh, if you're going to serve on a jury, but it also has the constitution in it. So number one principle was natural law. Number two principle A free people cannot survive under a Republican Constitution unless they remain virtuous and morally strong. Only a virtuous people are capable of freedom. As nations become corrupt and vicious, they have more need of masters. Do you need a master? Do you need a government to take care of you? Then maybe we need to check our own hearts. That was a Benjamin Franklin quote there, not that last. That was me. So number two is to remain virtuous and morally strong. Number three, the most promising method of securing a virtuous people is to elect virtuous leaders. Number three, elect virtuous leaders. You yourself must be virtuous. That's number two. But you must elect virtuous leaders. We are electing people that we know are ungodly. Samuel Adams says, Neither the wisest constitution nor the wisest laws will secure the liberty and happiness of a people whose manners are universally corrupt. He, therefore, is the truest friend to the liberty of his country who tries most to promote its virtue and who will not suffer a man to be chosen into any office of power and trust who is not a wise and virtuous man. You know, the old scripture says, he that is faithful in little is also faithful in much. And how many people, when Quentin was having all these affairs and even raped some women and stuff when he was in office, what he does in his personal time is his business. He who is faithful in little is also faithful in much. That's me. I didn't make it up. I'm just repeating it. Principle number four, without religion, the government of a free people cannot be maintained. That is why, this is coming from me, that is why, America, your leaders in this country constantly tell you your separation of church and state. You can't pray in a public school. You can't pray in a public place. You can't pray before these football games, baseball games, whatever it is. Oh, yes, we can and yes we will george washington said of all the disposi- of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity religion and morality are indispensable Indis- indispensable supports and let us with caution indulge the sus- the suppis- <laughs> supposition that morality can maintain without religion. No, I haven't been drinking. I don't know what's going on. Okay, no, and I didn't have a stroke. I'm just trying to go too fast. What is the saying from the old cowboy movie? Slow down, you'll have a more harmonious outcome. Principle number five. All things were created by God. Therefore, upon him, all mankind are equally dependent And to him they are equally responsible, equally dependent, and equally responsible. All things were created by God. The American founding fathers considered the existence of a creator as the most fundamental premise underlying all self-evident truth. They felt a person who boasted he or she was an atheist had just simply failed to apply his or her divine capacity for reason and observation. Principle number six. All mankind were created equal. The founders knew that in these three ways, all mankind are theoretically treated as equal before God, equal before the law, Equal in their rights. The freedom to try, the freedom to buy, the freedom to sell, the freedom to fail. I guess the freedom to succeed, too. Principle number seven. The proper role of government is to protect equal rights, not provide equal things. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) What are we hearing today? How they are separating us. And the word equity. They have to bring everyone up to the other standard. Or really, it's easier to bring you down. The founders recognize that the people cannot delegate to their government any power except that which they have the lawful right to exercise themselves. Principle number eight. Mankind are endowed by God with certain unalienable rights. This is from William Blackstone. Those rights, then, which God and nature have established, we already said that, right? And are therefore called natural rights, such as our life and liberty, need not the aid of human laws to be more effectually invested in every man than they are. Neither do they receive any additional strength when declared by the municipal or state laws to be inviolable. On the contrary, no human legislation has power to abridge or destroy them unless the owner of the right shall himself commit some act that amounts to a forfeiture. William Blackstone. These people in D.C. or in your state capital. They cannot take these unalienable rights away from you. Are we are we willingly forfeiting them? Or are we being are these things being pushed upon us? I'm going to stray for just a moment here because I have an article from American Greatness and I'm just going to tell you what he says. I'm not going to read it to you or anything like that, but he's talking about this bill that they just passed, this Inflation Reduction Act. And what it's actually doing. But he says in here, all government is parasitic. But government without limits saps the lifeblood of its hosts in ways that imperil the private sector and eventually kill it. Everything this administration has done, and other administrations, is to sap you more. They're going to remove more of your money. They're going to remove more of your rights. They don't want you to own property. They don't even want you to raise your own children. You can just board them. I, I advise you to read this. It's called Parasitic Government. And it's by Jonathan M. Mord. E-M-O-R-D. From American Grace, Greatness. That's amgreatness.com. Number eight. No, we read that one. Number nine. Excuse me. To protect human rights, God has revealed a code of divine law. You know, can you understand why they want to separate church and state here? Because they don't want to admit God has anything to do with it. They want all the power, not God. And in the Useful Idiots and in the Communist Manifesto, they want to remove God. They want to remove private property. They want to remove your children. You are nothing more than pawns in their chess game or serfs on your own land. You are slaves to government. But we don't have to be. We don't have to be because we are already victorious. You're listening to CSE Talk Radio. This is Beth Ann, and we'll be right back. Don't miss Abby Johnson as she delivers a message of life in Springfield, Missouri for Vitae Foundation's annual pro-life event on Friday, August 26th at the White River Conference Center in Springfield, Missouri. Abby is the author of the national best-selling book and movie adaptation, Unplanned, which tells the story of her powerful conversion from abortion clinic director to an outspoken pro-life advocate. Abby believes in the work of Vitae Foundation as they utilize digital marketing strategies to connect abortion-determined women with life-saving resources at local pregnancy help centers. Reserve your seat today by going to adsforlife.org. Again, that's Abby Johnson on August 26th in Springfield, Missouri. Before this event sells out, register today at adsforlife.org. Right now, take advantage of Mike's buy one get one free pricing on My Pillows bed sheets. Giza Elegance My Pillows 6-piece towel set and Roll and Go Anywhere My Pillows and so much more. Just go to the radio listener specials page at mypillow.com and use promo code BETHAN or call 1-800-978 That's one 800 375 Discount gold and silver trading for all your precious metal needs. And join Melody weekday afternoons at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Financial Survival Radio. Visit DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com. Every You're listening to CSE Talk Radio. I'm trying to not discourage you, but make you determined. You have these lost principles, America, because we have been so, what do they call it, seized? Under siege? <laughs> when they train a horse and they put the blinders on them. You know, it's, um, we've been trained to believe we... Have to listen to DC for everything in our lives. The republic has been corrupted. And the only way to fix it is to do away with the corruption. Now, you can take it however way you want to take that quote, but then you got to restore the lost principles. Let's move. I think we had number nine. So let's move on to number 10. I think we read number nine. No, we didn't. Number nine to protect human rights. God has revealed a code of divine law. I think I did read that, but I didn't read the quote that goes with it from William Blackstone. The doctrines thus delivered we call the revealed of our divine law, and they are to be found only in the Holy Scriptures. These precepts, when revealed, are found by comparison to be really a part of the origin, origin. I'm sorry, original law of nature. Remember, go back to number one, natural law, as they tend in all their consequences to man's felicity. Number ten, the God-given right to govern is, in, is vested in the sovereign authority of the whole people. The fabric of American empire ought to rest on the solid basis of the consent of the people. Remember, we've talked about the consent of the governed. The streams of national power ought to flow immediately from that pure, original fountain of all legislative authority. And that was a quote from Alexander Hamilton. So they've got these principles laid out from... uh, nccs.net but underneath each one of them they've got a quote from a founding father, just to put a little security on it. Number 11 (coughs) excuse me, principle 11 the majority of the people may alter or abolish a government which has become tyrannical whoa, wait a minute wait a minute, does that mean an insurrection? (laughs) prudence indeed, this is coming from our Declaration of Independence will dictate that governments long-established should not be changed for light and transient causes. In other words, don't get petty about it. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations, you know, like FBI raids on a president, like uh, fake hoaxes of Russia collusion, lying about a pandemic, not giving us the evidence of a vaccine that is not necessarily safe for everyone, and not giving you a choice, you mean those kind of things? Taxing us out the wazoo, those kind of things. Okay. When a long train of abuses and usurpations evinces a design to reduce them to absolute despotism, it is their right. It is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Restore those principles. This was Thomas Jefferson in the Declaration of Independence. The twelfth principle. The United States of America shall be a republic. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States and to the republic for which it stands. We are not a democracy. We have Democrat policies somewhat, some that just have to be there. But we are not a democracy. That is a lie that we are told every single day from everyone, including those conservative Talk show hosts. I've noticed lately they've been saying republic a little more often. Maybe they're listening to Beth Ann, you think? Number 13. A a constitution should protect the people from the frailties of their rulers. If angels were to govern men, their external nor internal controls on government would, would be necessary. But lacking these, you must first enable the government to control the governed. And in the next place, oblige it to control itself. James Madison. You remember, James Madison was pretty upset with uh, Colonel Mason when he wouldn't sign that Constitution. And he says it doesn't have a, a Bill of Rights with it. Number 14, life, liberty, are security only so long as the rights of the property are secure. Private property rights are America. Anything less than that is socialism, communism. It is theft of the people's uh, uh, rights, of their natural rights. John Locke reasoned that God gave the earth and everything in it, a whole human family, as a gift. Therefore, the land, the sea, the acorns, and the forest, the deer feeding in the meadow along belong to everyone in common. However, the moment someone takes the trouble to change something from its original state of nature, that person has added his ingenuity or labor to make that change. Herein lies the secret to the origin of property rights. Principle 15. The highest level of prosperity occurs when there is a free market economy and a minimum of government regulations. Oh, my gosh, do we have that one, topsy-turvy. Prosperity depends upon a climate of wholesome stimulation with four basic freedoms in operation. We're going to stop at principle 16 because we're running out of time. The government should be separated into three branches. Let's go through what those three branches are. The executive branch, that's the president. The legislative branch, that's Congress. The judicial branch, that is the courts, in particular the Supreme Court. Their powers are to be separated. So a congressman, a senator, cannot get up and say, you have unleashed a whirlwind and you better watch it because, you know, Schumer threatened the Supreme Court justices. Why? Because they weren't submitting to his powers. Right now, we have have governors, yes, but we have federal judges across this nation who have been appointed, and they are doing the bidding of the government. They have come together against we, the people. So we're stopping right there. And we will start with 17 the next time we pick this up. I want to encourage you. This is not to discourage you. This is to, well, how else to say this? This is to make you determined. Determined to educate yourself. Determined to read these things. Be encouraged by them. Our founding fathers, they gave us the the power Hopefully not to cause bloodshed again, as they did. But to stand up, women, stand up and take your country back. Take your children back. It is up to us, the republic. And you know what I'm going to say? To bring
2: America home. Home.